Welcome back to the Look and Sound of Leadership, an ongoing series of executive coaching tips designed to help you be perceived in the workplace the way you want to be perceived. I'm Tom Henschel, your executive coach, and today we're talking about the exhausted executive. Because Joanna's international travels are relentless, she and I often conduct our coaching sessions via her company's high-definition video conferencing. Recently, I watched as she dropped into frame with a grunt and smiled at me wanly. Her look prompted me to ask with sincere concern, How are you doing? Her shoulders fell. Her eyes welled up. Her chin sunk to her chest. Then her hands covered her face. She was quiet a long time, and then she whispered, Oh, Tom, I am so tired. Joanna is not fragile. She loves working at the senior level of one of the world's largest technology companies. But this day, she was worn out and beaten down. She told me how during a meeting in India with a dozen department heads, she was unable to come up with a solution to a simple problem. My mind was like a mush ball, Tom. I just couldn't pull my thoughts together. I asked her what was contributing to her depletion. She recited a litany I had heard before, unending organizational changes and strategic realignments, the departure of her boss, who had been a close friend, the rigors of her international schedule, and the demands of her division president to be connected 24-7 even on vacation. When she finished, I asked, And what about you, Joanna? How are you contributing to your exhaustion? She stared at me as if I'd spoken gibberish. Then she began to turn her thoughts inward. After a pause, she said, I'm a perfectionist. I said nothing. After another pause, she said, I can't say no. I still said nothing. Then she said, I haven't taken care of myself at all. Joanna's case is extreme, but not unfamiliar. Twenty years ago, when I first began coaching, one moment often repeated itself with many of my clients. After I had taken my seat at their meeting table, they would close the door and then stop, savoring the silence. Often, they'd exhale deeply, relaxing and preparing themselves for a conversation radically different from the rest of their day. These days, I rarely see that moment of savoring. This isn't because my current clients are less engaged or less introspective, not at all. Nowadays, the outside pressure that mounts while they're in the coaching conversation is heavier than it used to be. They incur a real cost by carving out time for coaching. So clients these days often attack their conversations with me using the same energetic commitment they devote to all their other tasks. The coaching's no less powerful than it was, but it often takes longer for executives to loosen their layers of analytical, logical, and objective thinking in order to access their more thoughtful, intuitive, and subjective selves. I believe companies are less rich when their leaders feel compelled to stay in doing mode at the expense of exercising their being mode. Before I go further with my ideas about this, I'd like to pose a riddle to you. Are you ready? Here it is. Two girls, Marjorie and Margaret, 
were both born at the same time, on the same day, in the same month of the same year, to the same mother and father. But they are not twins. How's that possible? If you want to spend a minute figuring this out, you might want to stop the podcast. All right, back to the exhausted executive. Jonah Lehrer, in his new book, Imagine How Creativity Works, says that moments of insight most often occur when two conditions are present. First, the person seeking an answer stops pursuing the answer. And second, the person is relaxed. As an example, he cites one particular practice at 3M, consistently one of the world's most innovative companies. Their designers have one hour a day to work on anything they'd like. The only stipulation is that they have to share their results with their colleagues. Over and over, when 3M's people turn their attention away from their work projects and focus on whatever strikes their fancy, whether it's a hobby or taking a nap, answers to problems bubble up effortlessly and unbidden. A similar example, Lehrer says, is the wealth of ideas that come to us while we're in the shower. Our minds are untethered and relaxed, and answers present themselves. It sounds reasonable, doesn't it? But if you saw one of your direct reports taking a nap in the sun, would your first thought be, oh, now that's a good choice. I bet some real value will come from that. I told Joanna I wasn't surprised that she was unable to find a simple solution to the situation in India. She hadn't been able to disconnect and relax for a long time, so her batteries were drained. Joanna and I discussed many ways that she could replenish herself. She ended up adopting four of the ideas we discussed. I'm going to tell them to you now. Number one, resist firefighting. Constant connectivity pulls us all in many different directions these days. Dozens of opportunities for distraction pop up in front of us every hour. Resisting all those bright, shiny objects requires clear vision and strong purpose. One strategy Joanna used to help her define clear vision and strong purpose was to begin every day with planning, even before she checked her email. She became rigorous about tying small actions to larger goals. If an activity didn't tie in, she moved it down the list to wait for later. Another strategy was to create an email folder she called Tier 2, It was for non-urgent messages. She found she could put over half her inbox in that folder. So that's number one. Resist firefighting. Number two, engage without worry. The movie The Hurt Locker won six Academy Awards in 2008, including Best Picture, for its gritty depiction of a bomb squad diffusing explosive devices on the streets of Baghdad. The movie's tension is built in. What could be more tense than watching professionals try to achieve extreme calm while doing work that has life-or-death consequences? We, the audience, understand that the bomb technicians can only survive if they learn to shut out the implications of their actions and single-mindedly focus on the task in the immediate present. 
That's not so different from what is required from executives in this era of overwork and too few resources. There is always more work to do than can be completed. Worrying about tasks piling up behind you doesn't help you chip away at the task at hand. As with the bomb technicians, thinking about anything other than what you're doing reduces your effectiveness in the moment. Focus on the task in front of you without worry. The future will arrive soon enough. So that's number two, engage without worry. Number three, good enough is good enough. Joanna's high standards are a core part of her self-image. She believes they're a major factor in her success. Anything less than excellence is painful to her. She began to ease up on herself and accept that there was a new norm in the world. For example, she began to accept that having more work than she could finish was not a character flaw. She began to accept that not everything had to be finely polished. Sometimes good enough really was good enough. She began setting priorities more quickly and delegating more often, which allowed her to move faster through her work. Sometimes good enough really is good enough, and that's number three. Number four, trust downtime to be productive. Joanna used to love reading poetry and fiction, but with work piling up like flights waiting to land in bad weather, she felt too guilty to give herself the gift of reading for pleasure. After we discussed the concepts in Imagine How Creativity Works, she let go of that guilt, and she bought What the Living Do by Marie Howe, a favorite poet of hers. To her surprise, while reading one of the first poems in the slim volume, she got an idea for an activity at an upcoming off-site. She was so amazed that her very next action was to call me to crow about it. She felt unleashed. She began to encourage her direct reports to schedule personal time for themselves, and she began to follow her own orders. So that's number four. Trust downtime to be productive. So here's the quick recap of four tools to help you replenish your reserves. Number one, resist firefighting. Number two, engage without worry. Number three, good enough is good enough. And four, trust downtime to be productive. So before I end, let me ask you a question. Do you know why I asked you that riddle about Marjorie and Margaret? Here's why. Because if you didn't know the answer, and if you wanted to try and figure it out, you had to stop paying attention to the podcast and activate a completely different part of your brain. If you pondered that riddle for even just a few seconds, you probably felt the shift. Or perhaps you felt too pressured to allow the shift to happen, so you just kept listening without getting engaged in the riddle. I certainly do that sometimes myself. But being conscious of when those mental shifts happen is a wonderful awareness. If you're stuck in doing mode and not experiencing shifts into being mode, or if, like last month's distracted executive, you're in constant delivery mode and not enough in receiving mode, you might benefit by consciously creating more daily mental shifts. All too often, my clients tell me they don't feel the shift into relaxation mode until the fourth day of a seven-day vacation. That's sad. 
So, would you like the answer to the riddle? How can Marjorie and Margaret be born on the same day to the same parents and not be twins? Because they are two of three triplets. All right, let me ask you a completely different set of questions. Can you take an elevator ride without checking your phone? Can you concentrate on one task for a sustained period? Can you play and enjoy yourself guilt-free? If you can, then good for you. You have overcome many of the hurdles that our current world places between us and the look and sound of leadership. Over the years, I've posted many podcasts that, like this one, address different ways of managing yourself. If topics like this interest you, four other podcasts you might listen to are Accessing Your Best Thinking, Eliminating Distractions, Focus in the Face of Distractions, and Staying on Track. Those podcasts and all our others can be found on the Essential Communications website, EssentialCom.com. That's EssentialCom with two M's dot com. From our homepage, click the navigation button marked Coaching Tips. That will take you to an archive of all our podcasts. When you're there, you can search the archive by categories that interest you. And one of those categories is managing yourself. There are over four dozen tips in that category to help you think more deeply about how you manage yourself. From the website, you can also download every tip as a PDF to save for yourself or to forward to others. Our podcasts are also available through iTunes. Just search for the look and sound of leadership. Until next time, I'm Tom Henschel. Thanks so much for listening.